0: So, all right. Hello and welcome to Better Than The Movie. I am Jeanette, she's Tamika, and we are here talking books. How are you today, my friend?
1: I'm doing well. Well, as
0: can be expected. How are you? I am scratching and surviving, hanging
1: in the chat line. Hey, man. Hey man. <laughs> How are things? we we? I feel like we haven't recorded in a while, but it hasn't yeah. been very long.
0: It's only been like a week and a half,
1: but it seems like longer. Yeah. the Back to back. And I removed myself from the Twitter sphere. <laughs> no, I haven't. But I have cut back about 92%, 98%. And that feels, it's a good feeling. Sometimes I think it was hard for me to step away because I get all my news from Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. and I know it's hot in the streets, but it was feeling like every time I got on, it wasn't enjoyable. Like, it would be like, oh, this celebrity bought a can of peas. Well, (laughs) the peas from a country that uh, takes care of their poor and indigenous people, because if they're not, then so-and-so is part of the problem. And then, you know, like, it just got to the point where it was like, it was a little bit of that every day. Plus, you know all of the social activism, which is great, but after a while it can weigh on you mentally. And then it's just like, I don't know, one day I was like, you know what? I am wasting a lot of time on here and I'm not even having fun anymore. So I cut back. I didn't turn it off. I know I've said I'm going to let it go for a while, but I cut back and it is, I've been super productive. I'll just put it like that. I mean, like super productive, like I've lost 10 pounds. <laughs> so... yeah.
0: Sometimes you just have to put Twitter down for a while
1: yeah i feel like every
0: year i take like a month to six week break maybe twice a year yeah just to like
1: cleanse myself yeah it's the worst kind of time suck because it is interacting with people that you may like you know what i mean um and you don't get to interact with those people unless you're really close and can text them or whatever but it's uh, a really terrible time suck um if you are not using it in a way that's productive or healthy. So you know, plus yeah, I've been doing some other things. So
0: Alrighty. So um the people can find us on the internet, uh, on Twitter, uh less sporadically than normal, apparently. <laughs> at better than TM. Uh we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash better than the movie. Um, All of our episodes are hosted on our own website at betterthanthemovie.com. And if you'd like to beep us 911, we can be reached at our Google voice number, which is area code 210-816-2886.
1: Yes, all of those things are true. I've got a little bit of book news here. So you threw up this really cool listicle. I really hate that term. I don't know why I just said it. But um, an article in list form from Elle.com. It's uh, nine books to add to the modern brown girl literary canon. And I thought this was neat.
0: Yeah, I saw it being um, bandied about on Twitter. Uh, a few days ago, I just now realized that it was actually uh, compiled by Ashley Ford. Which yeah, me is too. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, I just looked
1: at it. I was like, oh, okay.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, for people who are not in the know, Ashley Ford um, is a writer um, who I actually found out about via Twitter. Um, she used to work for BuzzFeed. I'm not quite sure where she is now, but I do know that she does some part-time stuff for Elle. Um, yeah, so I thought this list was super cool. Um, mainly because it is not just books Black girls need to read, right? Right. Because of course you see the headline, because the headline says nine books to add to the modern brown girl literary canon, and you automatically think, oh, okay, like it's going to be, you know, nine books about Black women, whatever. But it's actually really, really um, diverse um, in terms of ethnicity content, as well as... um, other factors. There's uh, Janet Mock's book on, is on here. Um, there's a book that I think you actually asked for the ARC of uh, Bright Lines. Yes. By uh, Tanwi Nandini Islam.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a good book. Um, no, Bright Lines is a very good book. Um, I believe it's a debut. It's her debut novel. Yep. Um, and very, very good. So yeah, that's one that comes recommended by moi. Um, that was the last book that I read on my summer tour of <laughs> the East. So, yeah, I recommend that one. Our good friend, Tyari Jones, Silver Sparrow, is on there. Uh, a couple of these I've never heard of. A couple of Water Under My Bed by Daisy Hernandez. That sounds like a really good book. Um, it's a young Hernandez being raised by a bevy of women is inundated with their do's and do nots regarding her race, religion, and gender. Um, and she comes into herself as a young queer woman. Those who brought up brought her up see her life as rebellious and openly defiant. I would read that. It's like a lot of intersectionality going on there. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, there's yeah. a couple of uh, poetry collections on here as well, um, and in "An Untamed State" by Roxane Gay is also on this list. Sorry. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 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 So I'm going to put the link yeah. up in show notes <laughs> and everything, um, so people can check it out. Oh, I forgot Brown Girl Dreaming is on here too. I still haven't read that. Somebody graciously sent me a copy of that, and it has been sitting at the top of my closet for way too long. I should get into that.
1: I have not read Janet Mock's book. I don't know. You want to know why I didn't read Janet Mock's book when it first came out. Because I confused her with another transgender woman who was on Twitter and was very messy. And I was like, I'm not reading her book. And then I realized that we're not the same person. So uh, let me put down the petty and pick up Janet Mock's book. But yeah, these are really, really good. I like that. I like the way you framed it. That these are are not just books that brown girls need to read. These are books that everybody um, needs to read. And they're all... Very diverse, I think. Yeah. Awesome. How did Untamed State get on there? I mean, no shade, but shade. Like, okay. We've already been through this. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along. So the next
0: thing um, that I found that's been making its way around the internet that I thought was super cool um, is this comic book, Raising Dion.
1: I had not heard of um,
0: this. Yeah, so I saw it uh, on my Facebook. Somebody had linked me to it like, hey, have you seen this? What do you think about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks really interesting. I'm not super comicy at all, mm-hmm. but I watched because they have a YouTube um, clip um, that's kind of like a teaser for what the actual uh, comic book is going to be about. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's basically telling the story of a mother who was raising Um, her son and she finds out that he has superpowers okay and so um the the site is down right now apparently but if you go to a dion is spelled d-i-o-n the first installment i guess of Mm -hmm. the comic book is up um it's really really cute and fun um Mm -hmm. i read through it the other day or whatever and it's basically telling the story of um how the woman uh, came to meet the boy's father and then how some things happened with the father. I don't want to spoil. Um, and then now she's a single mom um, who's been widowed and is raising this boy with these superpowers. And the YouTube video is super cute. Um, with the little boy like using his powers to do things like he goes invisible and tries to like steal the ipad to go play with it and she's mm-hmm. like i don't care if you're using like telekinesis or you're invisible put the ipad down to a- <laughs> xyz um so it's real fun and cute and i think they are oh no they're not doing a kickstarter it's just you can buy the episode the episodes jeez. Mm-hmm. you can buy the issues of it on raisingdion.com.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's such a cool idea to kind of do it from the parents' perspective. And it says um, here on this article that you did link that, it, that they, just examining like how adults and good parenting plays a role in how a child turns out, even if they are a child with superpowers, um, a little bit of love and care can stand between being a superhero or a supervillain when you grow up, which I think is very cool. I'm not a comic book person either, not very much. I've read like the Miss Marvel ones, but I would read that. Yeah, that looks really cool.
0: Yeah, I think I'm actually going to purchase a couple of issues Mm -hmm. and read them with the boy, because I think he'd get into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Huh. That's pretty cool. I think you said that. Brooklyn might like those. Who knows? That is very cool. Yeah, it says here that if you you can get the n- digital download for free, but if you buy it, that goes into making continuing the series. So Yeah. What a good incentive too. Like if you're into it, you can buy it, support it. Awesome. We don't cover many comic books there, but that's a good one. Here. We don't cover many comic books here. <laughs> but that's a good one.
0: Especially for listeners of Better Than the Movie, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I've recently taken to searching for some of my favorite actors and actresses because I've found a lot of them have narrated audiobooks, and it's always comforting to hear a familiar voice when the story is unfamiliar. So if you want your free audiobook today, go to slash Better Than the Movie. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash better than the movie for your free audiobook. And now back to the show.
1: We hope that you listened and did the assignment from two or three episodes back when we asked you to read cop that copy of Who Do You Love by Jennifer Weiner and um, read it so that you would be ready for the discussion about that book because that's what we're going to talk about. But first, we're going to talk about you know a couple of other ways that Jennifer Weiner has been on our damn nerves. <laughs> um, so, in recently, the website Ashley Madison was hacked. Ashley Madison is an account where people can go to... It's like Christian Mingle for... Cheaters, for backsliders, and infidels. (laughs) And so so people can go there to hook up with other people with the understanding that, hey, we're all married here and let's keep it all discreet. So that all came out. And for whatever reason, on God's Green Earth, uh, Jennifer Wiener wrote (laughs) an op ed (laughs) about this. Um, And It's called. It's titled "Ashley Madison Hack Shows We're Too Dumb to Cheat," and so I really thought that Jennifer would kind of go in about like the cheating, um, the type of people that use these sites, and how terrible it is. And it really was not the tone of the of the op-ed. It really was how we're Americans are idiots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So. Yeah, let me just read the beginning. America, we used to best ride the world bestride. <laughs> We used to bestride the world like a colossus, a leader among nations, smarter, faster, braver, more forward thinking than our rivals. Once we were great, inventive and nimble, always pressing fearlessly ahead in the name of progress, eradicating polio, inventing the airplane, the chicken nugget, the music video, going to the moon. But now we're a nation of losers, mouth-breathing couch potato, hands down our pants stilts. We're an embarrassment, and in the wake of today's, Tuesday's revelation, we should all be sent to our rooms with no electronics. And then she goes on to talk about how she's talking about the Ashley Madison scandal. What did you, okay, I know how you feel about cheating. We've talked about this before in relation to some other books. So what, what were your, what was your first thoughts when you read this?
0: I don't feel like this article was as much about cheating as much it as it was about her bemoaning about how dumb Americans have progressively been getting like, because she talks about like she's in the airport and people don't know how to go through security, which I don't necessarily attribute that to dumbness. Some people aren't just well-traveled.
1: And dumb. for the damn record, I, as someone who has had things thrown away, I have had, Like, three trips where they don't say anything about a bottle of lotion, and then that fourth trip, all of a sudden, it's got to go in the trash. So, maybe the TSA is not consistent.
0: I flew out of Chicago, O'Hare International Airport. If you've ever been there, they don't fucking play. I flew out of there with a bottle opener, like, Swiss Army knife-style type joint. Mm-hmm. went through TSA just fine, didn't have any issues, was flying back home, flew out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and they threw my bottle opener away. I had some hair products. They threw those away. So if I made it through one, yes, it is <laughs> – is my theory or my thought that I'm going to make it back through the other, especially when one is a world-class airport and the other is a smaller, more homey, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not like O'Hare is like stopping and just like, oh, we don't have time to look at all this stuff in these people bags. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. No, like right. the security process is very intense. So for her to say that because people do whatever in the TSA lines, that, that automatically means that they're like, idiots girl okay
1: yeah whatever and see I'm a person I kind of yeah there's a thing like oh some people are just stupid and you know they don't but sometimes it's kind of like you really I'm really trying I try to be mindful before I call somebody stupid like this whole thing that she wrote she included like oh I see people use strollers on the nose on the when the escalator clearly says no strollers and I'm like so like <laughs> like that doesn't make you stupid i mean maybe i'm in a hurry or maybe i don't have time to go look for an elevator we do it we used to do it all the time i would my husband would lift up the front of it and i would hold the thing and we would just hold it while we while we did it you just you don't know and it doesn't mean you're stupid it just means hey the circumstances that we're dealing with right now don't allow for that but i just don't understand maybe i don't understand why she tied this to this Ashley Madison. Like she's more upset about the fact that the politicians um whose lifestyles that she's funding are cheating and have membership on this site and But see um, I don't
0: even think that she's upset that they have membership on the site. She's more upset that they use their government email addresses. But who cares? Like then it got tied back to you know like, oh how dumb can you be that you use an address that's easily traceable back to you when Gmail exists. You know but it's like Stop girl what
1: that's like yeah like that's not the bigger issue here like which email account they use like who gives a crap <laughs> like, the fact is they did it and I don't know the fact of the
0: matter is that the last line says if you're going to cheat cheat smart and I'm just like girl shut the fuck
1: up like that's your takeaway from all of this I don't know and it was very much like I don't really care too much about cheaters in general I care about the ones who lifestyle I'm funding but at the same time it's like just say I don't care that they cheated and maybe I just felt like I have a book to promote and this is happening so let me and I really thought she would tie, if you're going to write about it, that you would tie it back to some subject matter that you've written about before, because she's written about infidelity um, in a very, like, compassionate and real way, and then you have all these readers who are women and some, I'm sure, who have dealt with infidelity or looking to you as kind of, oh, you write this so well, maybe you understand or are compassionate, and then you write this where it's like, eh, meat, <laughs> me, who cares? Maybe my expectations for Jennifer Weiner are too too high but the new york times just let her and jonathan franzen have it out every um quarter and it's getting old (laughs) (laughs) that was the other thing about her that i'm just really starting to be annoyed with like obviously jonathan franzen is picking at you and you're responding and you guys are going back and forth and at this point you don't look any more clean than he does because he is an a-hole extraordinary um, and is very degrading when he talks about her and her writing and the style that she does and how she's not a real writer. He wrote this thing recently about how women are really not accepted in literary circles or they're, they haven't you know quote-unquote made it in literary circles until they have basically he his stamp of approval and she took that and ran with it and it's like okay now you're going all Roxane Gay on us where you have to point out every single time somebody says something about you it doesn't like okay enough you two (laughs) break it up (laughs) like it's enough it's
0: it's repetitive and try and it's kind of like okay like he's going to conceal he's going to still continue to be a dick yeah like so every time you call him out it's just everybody's like okay girl we get it
1: yeah Outside of the big, you know, the book world, super duper book nerd world, I would venture to say that her fan base is not his fan base and vice versa, so I don't even understand why it matters. Like, why does his stamp of approval matter? And I'm almost certain that he would read one of your books and say, oh, yes, this is exactly what the hell I was talking about, because... I just did. So, (laughs) and I consider myself to be mostly, you know, a fan of most of her work. But this last one, I was like, yeah, I hope this ain't the one he picks up to get a taste of her writing because this one was. (sighs) (laughs) We might as well just get into it. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) All right. Oh so, Jennifer Weiner's latest book is called Who Do You Love? Mm-hmm. It was released um,
1: early August. Yeah. Guess what I still haven't got? I don't know. Guess what I still haven't got?
0: Your free copy that you won in the contest that her yeah. people yeah. put together?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I've been trying to be cool. I've been trying to be easy, but I won a Facebook contest of this book, an autographed signed copy, and I never received it. And I that's all I wanted to say. Tacky. Tacky, 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 tacky. <laughs> anyway.
0: <clears throat> okay. So who do you love is the story of um, two people, Rachel Bloom and Andy Landis. So I'm just going to read the blurb from Goodreads because it's easier. Okay. Rachel Bloom and Andy Landis are eight years old when they meet late one night in the ER waiting room. Born with a congenital heart defect, Rachel is a veteran of hospitals, and she is intrigued by the boy who shows up all along with a broken arm. He tells her her his name. She tells him a story. After Andy's taken back to the emergency room and Rachel's sent back to her bed, they think they'll never see each other again. Rachel, the beloved popular and protected daughter of two doting parents, grows up wanting for nothing in a fancy Florida suburb. Andy grows up poor in Philadelphia with a single mom and a rare talent that will let him become one of the best runners of his generation. Over the course of three decades, through high school and college, marriages and divorces from the pinnacles of victory and the heartbreak of defeat, Andy and Rachel find each other again and again until they are finally given a chance to decide whether love can surmount difference and distance and if they've been running toward each other all along. With honesty, wit, and clear-eyed observations about men and women, love and fate, and the truth about happy endings, Jennifer Weiner delivers two of her most memorable characters in a love story you'll never forget. That last line is chocolate a lie. lies. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. So where do we even begin?
0: Okay. So this blurb doesn't tell you that Andy is biracial. Yes. He has a white mother and a black father. Guess where the black father is? Not
1: there. Well, yes. <laughs> He's basically Drake. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, if you have not read this book, just go ahead and turn it off because I can't talk around it. No, Sorry. Um, no, why not? So, join us next week. Play this one back after you've read it. But, so, Andy is basically Drake in a myriad of ways, but mainly first came to mind white mom, black father, black dad has disappeared. Andy has a lot of feels about everything. Right. First, let me just say that I understand the genetics and biology surrounding biracial kids. I know that they are just as much white as they are black, but the way that our culture and society works, we're going to refer to Andy as a black man for all intents and purposes. And if you're ever confused about (laughs) why black people frame things in that way, my brain always goes to, if this was, 19, <laughs> this was 1842, where no, would Andy be? 1955,
0: would Andy be able to use the whites-only bathroom or the coloreds-only bathroom? Hell, if
1: it was 2015 and Andy <laughs> got crunk with a cop, is Andy going to make it or not? That's my frame of reference. And so the we, I'm sorry, but I know a lot of white people don't like this, but the black community uses the one drop rule and if you have biracial children you can say that he's just as much yours as. but when we see him that is a little black boy and i'm just going to say that and claim it so that we can go ahead and get that out of the way jennifer weiner tw- took all of the stereotypes all of them not just about andy and his mama um but also rachel and her family she took all of the stereotypes Um, that you can think of and she just said here you go and I don't know how her editor did not catch this or maybe they did and they just didn't care I'll start with Rachel. Rachel, she made Rachel a very typical um, Jewish American princess, um, and I don't say that in a derogatory way. That's kind of the phrasing they use in the book. Her family is well off, upper middle class, without being wealthy, which I don't really, you know, I'm I don't I'm poor. To me, it's all the same. Um, and you know, she's got she goes to a very uh small private schools she's in the sorority with a lot of girls who are also well off um and you know she wrote her very spoiled and self-centered sometimes um yeah so i think she she didn't do right by rachel either here's the problem with rachel rachel was flat and boring you
0: can write a character who is the upper middle class princessy type chick and still give them some sort of personality, or even if they are stuck up or whatever, there are still some, little spot of humanity that shines through and kind of makes you want to root for them there's nothing about rachel that made me want to root for her at all like every time it was her section i was just like okay Mm,
1: yeah and what pissed me off is i know that jennifer weiner can write such a character i know she can and so i'm like why did you make her like this like i was i did not understand why andy was so stone cold stone cold in love with her like I didn't get it there was nothing appealing about Rachel or funny or endearing not to me anyway um, so here's what I found to be a little bit strange
0: weird whatever so they met as these two kids in this ER or whatever they're eight years old I didn't think that their connection that they had when they were talking was that deep that they would have remembered each other 8 to 10 years down the line.
1: Yeah, not like
0: that. Like It didn't seem like they'd really forge that great of a friendship. They talked to each other for maybe 90 minutes um, in an ER.
1: And and keeping in mind, she's in and out of the hospital all of the time, so she's probably met tons of little kids. Mm -hmm. um, So I didn't really understand that either. The other thing with Rachel is I didn't understand why she wrote that character with a heart defect, a heart issue, and then never really touched went on it again it. but then made it so that like okay it did come up when things like oh when they were building the house they went to when they were in high school I believe they went to do sort of like a um, Habitat for Humanity type project um, but they were kind of a sleepaway thing and she couldn't do some of the work, the, the work because of her heart and she couldn't do some of the running with Andy or any of it because of her heart but then they wrote it like she's out there eating everything in town and I'm like that never Came like I don't know too much about heart conditions or anything like that, but she didn't seem to have like this. Oh, I've got to, you know, maintain my health and be really good to my body because my heart, you know, I have heart issues. It was written
0: I- in a very special snowflake way. Like, oh, feel bad for me. I was this kid who was in the ho- out of hospitals right until like, I that was, was like thirteen, and then when she was a complete um, asshole to so that girl when they were at the sleepaway thing. And Andy kind of brought that up, like, you know, you're being a jackass. And she's like, I know what it feels like to have people because my heart condition. And I'm like, girl, that, no.
1: Yeah, I don't I still don't understand why she didn't, why she gave that character that particular ailment and focused on that so much. And then it never, like, none of that, it never made, like, I would see if Rachel was, like, socially inept because she was always in the hospital or if she had problems connecting. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't. Okay, so it seemed like after high school, that whole piece just kind of dropped off. Like, only thing we ever heard about the heart issue was her scar. So I was like, why'd you bring it? Like, she could have wrote this character also being at the hospital for a broken leg or whatever. Right. Then they she had the piece where her friend died when she was a young when she was a little girl. Her the close friend that she had uh, died of cancer. And I don't understand why she put that in there. Like, the book is what four hundred pages easily. And I don't understand why they didn't cut some of this shit out because it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. And then they made her mom, just very typical kind of hand-wringing mom. Um, It made me kind of... She lost an opportunity there too because... We've had quite a few books, especially with, you know, The Fault in Our Stars and then every kind of imitation of The Fault in Our Stars that came after that. When you have children that have maybe some sort of physical illness or mental illness or some problem, the parents always kind of get written in the same way. And I think that she missed an opportunity to kind of write her mom and dad in a different way. So she made those characters flat. She gave her a brother that was jealous of the attention she received because she was sick, which reminded me of... um, Jodie Picoult's book, um, My Sister's Keeper, My yeah. Sister's Keeper, there's a sibling there who gets overlooked because, of... so it's just a lot of like little cliches and stereotypes that I just did not understand, like she had the opportunity to go in a different direction and she chose that. So, um I want to talk about um,
0: one of the sections in the book that I highlighted um, hmm. that happened pretty early on, so like we said, Andy's biracial but black. So he's talking about, like, um, he's in a neighborhood or whatever that they live in. now they don't, um, because her parents, the mother's parents, didn't approve of her getting pregnant by a black guy. She was cast out from their Mm -hmm. house. And so they have to live in a poorer section of Philly. I want to say that um, I think it's, like, North Philly, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not 100% sure. But nevertheless, So there's this section where Andy is talking about how he doesn't have many friends except for this one kid. And he talks about going over to this kid's house and how the mom will invite him over for dinner every once in a while, blah, blah, blah. So it says the Strattons were black, like Andy's father, like Mr. Sills, the handyman who came around every week or two tightening, tightening dripping faucets and oiling squeaking doors like most of the people in the neighborhood. They were black and Lori Lori was white. Lori is his mom. And he was pretty sure that Mrs. Stratton didn't really like her. Once when he'd left Miles' bedroom to use the bathroom, he'd heard Mr. Stratton, who worked for the gas company, talking down in the kitchen. How come she moved here? How come she's not back on her own? Mrs. Stratton had murmured something. Andy had heard his own name and nothing more. But then Mr. Stratton said, well, how sure are we about that? She wouldn't be the first bird to try to slip an egg into another man's nest stop his wife said in a cold voice andy had never heard her use after that andy had never felt like a regular friend of miles's a normal kid from school instead he thought they looked at him as the kid with the white mother and a black father half one and half the other a kid who didn't belong Mm -mm. i don't Mm -mm. know much about the plight of the biracial because i am monoracial what i do know here is that a lot of assumptions are being made and cast upon the black people in the neighborhood from this one interaction. Not saying that people might not be like, okay, why is she, you know, why is she here? Why is she, whatever. But my thought is that it wasn't like his mother and father were in a fly by night thing. Right. This girl was in a relationship with his father. Right. So it would go then to, like wouldn't you think that okay she if she's in a relationship with him and they moved or she moved to his neighborhood
1: she would know people they were even married right
0: yeah yeah like but she would know people in that neighborhood she might not be friends or friendly with them right but she would know them and they would know about her especially because the father was pretty well known right Um, you know like he was a high school athlete or
1: whatever whatever because this conversation makes it seem like, where did this girl come from? And she just, uh, some side chick or some overnight. Right, she like she just came
0: out of nowhere, that. and we don't even know that this girl is, re- you know, we don't even know but that this kid belongs to anybody that's from. Our-
1: but they wrote it very much like, or she wrote it very much like these people were married. Then the baby came and they were all good. So those conversations didn't make any sense.
0: It's very contradictory. I also yeah. thought it was very contradictory when she, ex- um, not explained, but when she described him. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, so she says that he, I, I was under the impression that he was lighter. That you could tell that he was mixed, but he was a light skin mixed kid. Mm -hmm. but then there's a line where she says his teeth flashed white against his skin right the contrast of a light
1: yes i know what you're saying
0: i'm trying not to be an asshole here but the point is is like you write things like that to oh let's not forget that he's black
1: right like you well, and the reason like that she had to remind us is because she doesn't know how to write black people and so she wrote this interview basically this interview she did um uh, the in Austin Chronicle they published it and she talked about how she was wanting to be sure that she got these characters right um the problem is that Jennifer Weiner took every like every black character in this book fits a stereotype almost and every no 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 let's examine them because I this is what bothered me so Andy is not just like for all intents and purposes Andy is a good boy um and I say that not in a demeaning way the book starts when he's a boy so um and he doesn't have any he's sweet to his mom he's a little introverted or whatever um, his mom is not very loving I guess there's a thing where they Maybe, 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 maybe the mom doesn't make him feel like he's enough I feel like Jennifer really drew on that Stereotype of women who uh, Mess with black men Are all a little bit unpolished That's how he made she When she described the mom I don't know why that came to me If you read she, it yeah, It okay. came
0: off very much like
1: This is the type Yeah Yeah, she was a very good girl, and then she started dating these, and her parents made, oh, she was a good girl, and then she started dating these black dudes, and then it was like, oh, look at her now, you know, and so that's kind of, even the way they wrote the mom, she couldn't decide what kind of mom she was, because on one hand, she was poor and just didn't want to spend the money on Andy then on the other hand she did have the money but she didn't because they were poor so she had other priorities and then it was like she didn't love him at all and then it was like she loved him so much she didn't want him to be around or cared for by anybody else so she just made it like a, it's us against the world thing. Mm-hmm. she was all over the place with the damn mom I couldn't decide if I liked her or not because she just she wrote her into every single, all four corners of the room and I'm like well which is it does she not love the boy does she love the boy Is she broke and stingy or she broke or is she stingy? Is she, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I could not put my finger on anything about that mother character because they just made her all over the place. She was a mass of contradictions. Yes. Terrible, terrible character. And then Andy, you know, has some anger issues, of course. And Andy has a run-in with the law, of course. And several uh, several run-ins with the law. Um, Andy makes bad decisions when it comes to his career and when it comes to his relationships. And it really kind of rang true. It rang to me like a white woman's perception of the things that a black man might struggle with. Does that make
0: sense to you? It was very much like he was never satisfied. And even when he got everything that he quote unquote wanted, he would still find a way to fuck it up.
1: And it was very much like, to me, Andy has all these reasons in the world to be a confident young man, and he's not, and here comes Rachel to save him from himself and his fucked up background, and that's kind of how I took this book, and I didn't like that. I felt like, even if this young man came from humble beginnings, he did have a mom who did or did not love him depending on which you know version you want to buy and he did have a support system and he did have this incredible talent and all this opportunity at what point would he not have been a confident young man even if it was the played a little bit into that dad thing which I think is sometimes very overblown but um i felt like she just wrote this character like even in her interview when she talked about her choice of writing rachel in the first person and andy in the third person and then she said you know uh, the interviewer asked why did you decide to go the route of alternating between those two points of view and she said this was an interesting choice and again a conversation with my editor um she said that they should the editor said they should both be in first person but she felt jennifer felt that andy His focus is so narrow with many athletes, all they see is what's right in front of them in terms of the next race, the next workout, next meal. I feel like we needed to see him through eyes other than his own to really see all the parts of who he was. Whereas I think Rachel does a pretty good job of telling you, I guess he wouldn't exactly have been an unreliable narrator, narrator, but he might have been an interesting one. He wouldn't have had a very good perspective on his own life.
0: I think that that's a cop out and a crock of shit. A total crock of shit. Um, you to tell especially me that you as are. a person who um, likes sports and follows athletes and learns their stories beyond what they do on the field. It's a crock of shit to say that their only focus is their athletic prowess and what is next for that. Right. Basically, saying that these people are one dimensional blockheads and that they have zero sense of anything else that's going on in the world around them besides that. That is such a fucking cop-out.
1: And what really bothers me is the demeaning way that she felt like when she says it, she didn't think that Andy would have had a very good perspective on his own life, but somehow Rachel would have, where I felt like Andy was the more, um, street smart and aware of other people and other, you know, the, his, his, not just his own circumstances, but how other people were uh, affected. He was more independent than Rachel. He was, um, a little bit more kind and in touch and empathetic empathetic than Rachel. Um, So I don't understand why she felt like this character wouldn't have had a good perspective on his own life, but Rachel would have. Because Rachel is the one that ended up being very flat. So I'm like, right, say that neither one of them would have had a very good perspective, but I just don't think that that's true about this character. I felt like it was very much like the perception is that these, these, this black man um, can't stand on his, his own. Um, and I also think that there was a little bit of fear there because I don't think that Jennifer Weiner uh, was comfortable writing inside a black man's head. I don't think that she I think she knew that she could not pull that off.
0: Yeah, um, she absolutely knew that she couldn't pull it. And off. so
1: she wrote it in that way so we don't ever really have to get in his head. Um, yeah. I did not you know, even with Mr. Silas, Mr. Silas kind of played, he gave me a little bit of a legend of Bagger Vance. <laughs> he was very magical Negro. Right. Um, I did not like that character. I did not like um the way the thing with Andy's dad. I felt like there was your opportunity to do something different. Of course, his dad is in jail all of his life because he did this thing. I just, I felt like that was so
0: like the revelation of his dad being in jail and not dead. um, The reason why he was in jail, like all of it was just so goddamn cliche. Like if you're going, I don't, I don't know. It just felt like she was resting on her laurels when she wrote this joint. Like she was mm-hmm. seriously just like, you know what? I'm just gonna cram all this shit in because I can. Like right. the yeah, Mr. Um Mr. Sills or whatever, like he like I was confused about like what was the deal with him because at first it was like, Oh, Andy's mom doesn't want anybody around him, um, blah, 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 whatever whatever. And then there's one part that I highlight in the book says Mr. Sales was allowed in their house he'd actually been the one who found them their new place a row host in a, a row house in a different part of Kensington. blah 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 whatever whatever so if he was the one who found them the house like the mother had some level of trust um again the reason why the father was away was because of Mr. Sales' son so there was that level of familiarity with them so I don't understand like why Andy was immediately distrustful of this old man and then why the man couldn't just confide in him when he asked him, like, did you know my father? He didn't have to give him the dirty details about what happened to his dad or whatever, but he could have at least said, oh, yeah, you know, your dad and my son were running buddies, woo woo." and this is what I knew of him. Like, he gave a brief overview of that, but he didn't really go into detail. Again, I think it was just her – her thinking that she was being kind of slick with it and not having to really delve into the character of a black man or even like try to get into the mind or the psyche of a black man but honestly it just came off as flat as fuck
1: yeah I agree
0: I read this entire book and like my face just like kept turning up, kept turning up, kept turning up.
1: And she just hit all of the stupid tropes. Like I, when she was talking about how her parents wouldn't like him um, because of the, there was the race, there was the religious thing because he's not Jewish, but then it's like, okay, maybe he'll convert. But then it was the race thing. And then it's the, you know, well, they aren't racist. They never use the N word, but I didn't think they knew too many black people. And I guess that maybe they wouldn't be thrilled if I want to take Eddie to the prom. So they are racist. And then, Um, There was the whole point about her marrying the right kind of person. I think that Jennifer, when she did here, she took a lot of stereotypical tropes about interracial dating, too, and smushed them in this book, and it just, along with all of the kind of inconsistencies in the book, it just made it... Bad. Like it made it like I don't really care. I don't want him to be with her, and I don't really want her to be with him. And and it was just and and let's talk about the way that their lives turned out because that really, for whatever reason, just got under my damn skin. Um. Okay. So here's what I don't understand. Okay.
0: You make them go through all this shit. They break up in what undergrad because he got into the shit at her sorority party or whatever, and then they magically found their way back to each other and then because of Rachel's insecurity is why they break up again, right? Mm -hmm. She thinks that he's messing with the track chick or whatever. The
1: supermodel, yeah. Yeah.
0: But I don't understand why they had to go through all of those cycles of breakup only to end up with each other in the end. Like You could have cut a smooth hundred pages from this book if she ended it like when they got back together and he was going to the Olympics or whatever, or before he went to the Olympics.
1: What I didn't like is that she did this thing. Okay. So Andy ends up um, winning a gold medal at the Olympics. And then he ended up um, trying to do a little bit more past that, where he really probably should have just retired because he was a little bit older than most of the runners. Um, But instead he continued on and decided that to dope basically. So he had a doping scandal so he has this doping scandal and uh, it all happens unravels very quickly that was the other thing i was like okay um it all unravels very very quickly he doesn't get his medals or anything stripped but he is basically shunned think like the way that they did marion jones but this was like the way they did marion jones times a thousand because it was like he was shamed like he couldn't even go to the store servers wouldn't serve him and people were so disappointed in him he I went from like, being
0: the man on top to working at Home Depot.
1: Basically. No, literally. literally. And so I said, so I said <laughs> the thing that bothered me about this is I feel like in 2015, now mind you, the scandal did not happen, or 2014, whatever, the scandal did not happen when he got his medals. That's why they weren't stripped, because it was like, okay, you weren't doping then, but you, lost this, you won this other race while you were, so we're going to, you know. I just don't feel like. I feel like he would have done something else. Like I feel like it would have been a reality show or some shit. Like it wouldn't have just been like, oh, a complete fall oh, I from grace. Can't race. run no
0: more. Cool. All right. Let
1: me go. Let me go this. work at the Home Depot. Yeah, Let I'm tied on. Handle pipes. Yeah. I'm a handsome and used to date this supermodel and high profile and hanging out with every celebrity, but because this, and then in the day, this is what I was kind of like, is she like tone deaf? How many baseball players, football players, whoever have been um, found to be doping or suspected of doping or whatever. And they do their little testifying and they go going about their damn business. So I was like, this not, this isn't, you know, like jones where she like, won five medals on dope like <laughs> exactly
0: the first person i thought of was like jose canseco yeah like his scandal happened and then i swear like a few years later he had like a vh1 reality show yeah and so like girl like if you're writing this in modern day like you, come on at and the mo- very least give us some and- retch
1: and most of them would just say, "I don't give a damn what you found. I'm not saying anything." Like a lot of baseball players who who are still playing today, or who just retired, um, <clears throat> no comment. But they, <laughs> but they, I mean, it just she didn't write it even like like I understand what happened with Marion Jones because Marion Jones lied and she won all the medals while she was doping, and it was like okay, understandable. But this. And even she didn't end up like at the Home Depot. She played in the WNBA for a couple of years and, and did some camps and did some other stuff too. And it's like, it was just a bit much. It was too much. And it was like, why Andy? I didn't mean to be like, I didn't mean to be you know basic, but I'm like, why Andy got it? Why the black man got it? End up
0: <laughs> but it didn't even make sense though. Yeah. Like it didn't make sense. Like, why couldn't he just go gracefully into the night or however damn phrase goes. Yeah. Like there was no reason for this additional drama yeah. Oh, oh! I forgot. It needs to be a plot device so she can walk into the goddamn Home Depot and then see him fixing a light fixture and right. they can reconnect. Right.
1: It <sighs> just seemed, it just was very, it, it was a lot. And I don't know, she set Poe Andy up. We were cheering for Andy and everything is all to the good. And the, it's just. it's just like every stereotype about black men that you can think of just about is in this book Um, even his relationship with the other girlfriend I didn't like some of the language and some of the things that she said about um, not just the supermodel but some of the runners the other women that he had had um, you know kind of one night stands or you know situationships with they were thin and if you read Jennifer um, Weiner's books you know that she's very a lot of her characters are plus size or whatever and she's all about that and some of the language that she used to talk about the women who were runners was very kind of derogatory in a way kind of low-key sneak disses and it was like okay you don't have to do all of that like you don't even as she talked
0: about the evolution of Rachel because like when they first met or whatever as kids She was quote unquote average sized. but then when she Got to college like um, Andy like Remarks that she's lost so much Weight and like her clavicle is visible And, da, 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 da. and then there's like A throwaway line where she's like um, The girl uh, Rachel says like oh my ass was huge And then like it's like an internal Monologue sort of like what Andy Like oh but he liked her but When it was bigger I'm like Girl, can you just not, can we yeah. not?
1: Yeah. It was a lot of weird little body things. Like, she wanted to make sure we knew that Rachel was thick <laughs> or, or bigger girl. And it was to the point where, at one point, Andy was so concerned with his body, and she wasn't concerned with hers at all. And she was very annoyed by that. I want to talk about that, though. Because I feel like... Um, You know, she wrote this thing where he was kind of like, you know, if you don't be careful, you're going to be two people because she ate so much and sat around and did nothing. And then she was very hypercritical of the fact that he was very in tune with his body and his diet. and And she wrote that in a way to me that was almost like there was something wrong with Andy because, you know, he didn't want... He wanted to eat half a swordfish with vegetables, no sauces, no nothing. But it's like you're in a relationship with a man that's a runner, like an Olympic caliber runner. What are your expectations? And he's not stopping you from eating. Like, I personally get offended when you're trying to do right, you know what I mean, by yourself, Mm -hmm. by your diet, or whatever, and people try to make it seem like you're messing up their fun. It's like, Like, no,
0: this is my thing. Like, this has nothing to do with you. You can continue to do what you want to do, but know that this is what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, and I feel like if you've been in a relationship of whatever kind with this man over the all entire life, how why would you be annoyed with the fact that he doesn't eat crap because he can't? You know, it was just very strange and vice versa. Why would he all of a sudden be irritated with her body when you know she's made it so clear that he's all about her being thick and womanly? That's right. the other thing Jennifer Wynd does that drives me. Yeah, that drives me crazy is what she describes the heavier girls as womanly as if the other girls are not and that's just that's more kind of I hate this term but it is kind of body shaming or you know what I mean this is only so yeah women look like this and that's it and yeah it's kind of like, and I know I'm probably going to get flack for this, but it's, it's
0: kind of like the whole real women have curves thing. Yeah. Like that's so, that's so whack to me. I like think I if- under, I understand the purpose of it and I understand why people say that, but as somebody whose best friend has been just sticks in all her life naturally, even after having three children, like that's so insulting to her. Like mm. she, she can't help, but that's how her body, you know? Right. Mm.
1: And I think it contributes to some really unhealthy ideas about what's, you know, curvy, sexy, which uh, as opposed to what's a problem uh, weight. But I won't get into that because I'm not nobody's doctor. But yeah. I just we'll call another podcast. Yeah. So I just feel like she she does a little. She's been, in the past, I think, very conscious of the way she presents body and type, and I think she's become known as that writer who, hey, the lead person is probably going to be a bigger girl, and that's all good, but you can't go, you know, so far in the other direction where you're kind of putting down uh, those women who are not, you know, curvy. You know, booties are in style and things like that right now. So I know it's probably hard out here for my... uh, straight-bodied sisters and, <laughs> and you know you can't you can't step away from that so i was surprised to see that this is just not my as you can tell this is not my favorite um book there were very few parts So, and i usually will whip through a jennifer weiner book pretty quickly and i had to force myself to finish this one i didn't like it like i wasn't looking forward to these characters at all so i um
0: was on Goodreads and I was just looking at um, reviews that people had written Mm -hmm. about the book or whatever. And I found this one and, um, Fundamentally, I'm sure the shit that I don't agree with this woman's politics, but um, her review was really interesting, and I'm going to read like a good chunk of it. It says, this book is advertised as a love story, but the love story is really a secondary plot. The main plot of this story is to show Black people as victims who suffer from their circumstances, and therefore their mistakes are not their responsibility. By contrast, white people are so mired in their white privilege that they are silly, uncaring elitists who never have to work for anything totally stereotypical and untrue as well as offensive. Of course, Weiner could not forget her true cause, which is feminism, so she had to throw in a few random lines about how men always have to dominate the conversation. Just basically threw that stuff in out of left field. She really hit upon every major item in the modern liberal agenda, even if only to touch upon it briefly so that the reader would understand that Weiner really cares. This is not a deep book about death, love, race, relations, and the plight of black men in jail, as Weiner probably think it is. This book should probably be categorized as a young adult for its juvenile cliché an obvious storyline. Well, and lady. I was like, "Lady, me and you definitely don't see eye to eye on any political shit." But you hit the nail on the head in
1: this one. Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. I don't know about all that black people and personal responsibility. I don't know where she got that from. I wrong, got yes. for that. <laughs> yes, yes, I do know what you're saying.
0: But she hit the nail on the head. Like she tried to cover all these this myriad of topics and present this book that was supposed to show that love conquers all even despite all of these odds, I guess. But the fact of the matter is it was just like, girl, can can we stop?
1: Yeah. Could you not? Could you give us whatever you were going to write before? Um, yeah, so I would give this book... I gave this book two stars on um, Goodreads. I just did not. And it broke my heart because I was really looking forward to this um, book. And I just... I didn't like it. I thought she... Was, it was lazy. I don't even want to call it lazy, because, hell, it was 400 pages. It was ambitious, but she just did not do a good job, and her editor did not do her right. Um, I don't know that... It's kind of weird, because black people are not a monolith, but at the same time, you kind of have to be aware, you know, aware of what you're doing. Oh, she... Oh, okay. Are you here? So, yeah. in the Austin uh, yeah, okay. Chronicle interview, mm-hmm. she talked about... You remember my story about her tweeting the breastfeeding thing? Yeah, she talked about that. She talked about that in the article. She said that... Um, she talks about how the internet and Twitter is if I didn't get it right, people are going to tell me. I had a scene where there was a woman in the pediatrician's office and the fancy white ladies are all very ostentatious, breastfeeding their babies, and I had some lower-income women feeding their babies with bottles. People jumped on that. I'm like, but it happened, and I've seen it, and I've seen it in my own doctor's office. I'm not saying anything about race. I'm just saying rich white ladies are obsessed with this, and people sort of explained, okay, but if the only black character is a teenage mom who is giving her kid Kool-Aid in a plastic bottle, that is a real problem once you get over your hurt feelings about being called out, it makes you really careful about not about being politically correct or afraid, but you want to do it right. You want to make sure if you're going to write about people who aren't like you, that you're going you're doing it in a way that feels fair. Well, so, Jen, you right. failed. Yeah. Try again. I don't... See, I don't feel like she can't write black characters. I just feel like she tries too hard. because she Like we talked pop- about earthquake the character family in little earthquake where he was a stereotypical basketball player who cheated on his wife um she was you know whatever and i just
0: i feel like jennifer weiner doesn't have black friends
1: yes and if they do she does they're not like they're like they're not real friends or like come over and have dinner once a year right
0: like yeah. she, she i'm i have no I have no doubt that she has very many Black acquaintances. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no doubt that, you know, maybe she's engaged in a Black kid or two in her house for a play date with her kids. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that she has any real and true down-and-out Black friends.
1: Because it's very... You're right, because it's very, we can't say that, oh, just write black people the same way you write white people, because you're going to take out some things that are very cultural, you know what I mean, that are just part of who we are, and no, we're not all the same, but we're not, we're not, we are different, and it's it's okay to say that there are differences amongst the races and the the ethnic groups and whatever, and celebrate those differences, the same way she can write about a person that's a Jewish person and a non-Jewish person, and kind of how those, how those, um, those uh, two lives might be different. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to work a little bit harder at, it, at this, and it's kind of like if you only write two or three main characters who are black, please don't make them all be problematic. Like, we, <laughs> like you can't make, you know, even the, um, she had an opportunity to, to make one of Rachel's friends black, the, somebody that goes to the school, and you know what I mean? Black yeah. kids are rich. You know, it's just, I don't know. She I missed just, some opportunities to do another something. Another thing
0: I didn't understand either is that, and maybe like in my just irateness, I just glossed over this completely, but where was the black family? Where was oh, like the grandparents? I don't know. Because I know they would know was, now. Where was his praying grandmother on his daddy's all side? Right, you know I what I mean? Say, like, like I know, where was Auntie Janine? I know Auntie black Even if he was an only child, um, the father, Mm -hmm. um, he had to have come from parents. And nine times out of ten, those parents have siblings. And ten times out of ten, the siblings of those parents have kids. And even if you are an only child or you grow up as an only child, in our community, it is very common for us to hang out with our first cousins all the time. So there would have been somebody that he would have been close to in his family for Mm -hmm. some reason but they don't make it to like, and even if they didn't like um, Andy's Andrew's mother,
1: they would still that that baby.
0: baby. That baby is they family.
1: Yep. And I'm sorry.
0: He would have been going over there on the way.
1: But if you got a black Annie,
0: like it's too many small things like that. That lets me know that she don't got no black friends.
1: If you got a black Annie or a black grandma, especially, And they know it's some Ken, little kid Ken, out there. (laughs) Please. Listen,
0: I can't tell you how many little cousins and such that I have that we might not fool with your mother you know yeah you know one of my boy cousins got whoever pregnant their thing didn't work out we don't fool with your mama but you best believe we will go get you and bring you in when it's family events right like so it's like little stuff like that it's just like
1: we don't you know, just
0: leave say, them out on the wayside
1: you know, and black folks on um, and i and i again not everybody but for the most part black folks don't just say oh well he, uh, so-and-so had a baby with a white girl and that's it he went to jail so we don't really fool with them like that oh somebody's coming to, to see about that kid mm-hmm. believe that um yeah i was very you know try again but let somebody read it first like i don't <laughs> i just couldn't get into it i think she tried but this book will crap to me and then this was supposed to be her first foray into romance and like I'm not you know I don't like you guys know I don't read a whole lot of romance but it didn't seem like a very romantic book to me
0: it was just very awkward to me and it read kind of like that new genre that they're trying to make like fetch and happen um that uh new adult or whatever Mm -hmm. I don't like that (laughs) like I want to read about grown-ups yeah. Like if we're talking about like relationships and marriage and things like that. I don't want to read about nobody who's between ages of eighteen and twenty two.
1: I don't give a Yeah. F- sex scenes with teenagers. Mm. Gross. Yeah. As an <laughs> as a as, as an adult, adult reader. As I am a, not my, in reading sex scenes about teenagers. the only time I,
0: I want to read about them. teenagers is when it's stupid petty drama like Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. Like because that's just dumb girl stuff. But
1: Graphic, sexy teenagers about, mm, know, thank you. doesn't move me, and I'd rather not. I don't know where the authors or their brains are at with that, and I don't know who's out here enjoying it. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, but where? Are you, where is your mother? You know, what mm-hmm. I mean? so I don't know. I just didn't, wasn't feeling it. There's for how many reasons have we listed so far? A hundred. So. Seventy billion. Yeah. But anyway, the book is out. Um, we have dedicated a whole episode to the things that we really like about Jennifer Weiner's work, but this is just not one of them. And so we, we wanted to talk about that one. Okay, and we get it all out? <laughs> I think so. Okay. For the long part. I wanted to try something different. I know we usually do like, what are you reading about this time? Uh, but I wanted to do something called, uh, I called it the Self-Pub Spotlight. I didn't really know that's a working title. We can change that. <laughs> but um, just to highlight one or two books about by people who have self-published and their books are available on Amazon, uh, we want to give them a little so, so, so they can get some shine. You guys can check out their books and tell us what you think. Now, I will say I have not read any of these books, but I plan to. (laughs) So, (laughs) the book Still in Love by Delaney Diamond. Three years ago, Nadine Alessini divorced her husband and left Buenos Aires with her daughter in tow. Now she's back and forced to spend time with the man she left behind. Cortez Alessini long ago accepted that his music career aided in the demise of his marriage, so he didn't expect that he and Nadine would spend passionate nights together while she's back in his country Causing them to question If they gave up too soon But the reappearance of someone from his past Immediately causes friction And may destroy any chance they have At a true reconciliation and That sounds pretty straight To the point mm-hmm. Um Sounds like a good little not too complicated love story, but it maybe sounds twisty. Um, It's available on um, Amazon. Just search for "Still in Love" uh, by Delaney Diamond. It's only ninety nine cents, and it looks like nope, no, it's ninety nine cents. Buy it. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Do you want to do the next one, or you? Yeah.
0: (laughs) So um, the book that I chose to highlight is called "It Ain't Easy Being Jazzy" by Quanee Miller. This was actually recommended to me um, by a friend of the show, Christina Jones. And mm-hmm. so I um, read it like maybe like a couple months ago by this time. And it's about this uh, woman, Jasmine T. Peacock, mm-hmm. who um, at the beginning of the book is uh, broken up with by her ex-boyfriend um, and then he calls her like, oh, you know, I have something important to tell you. So she thinks they're going to get back together. But it turns out that he has proposed to her cousin, who's also like her sworn enemy. <laughs> yeah. So um, the book takes place in, I believe, Northern Cali. But the family is originally from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And um, it is a cast full of characters. Um Jazzy has a sister and a mother that she lives with. The mother is kind of like the neighborhood Mrs. Kravitz. Like, she looks out the windows and spies on all the neighbors and stuff like that. Um, the sister is kind of like a free-spirited, kind of remind me of, like, Freddie Brooks from A Different World, kind of. Yeah. Um, and then, like, so Jazzy's trying to deal with the fact that her ex has proposed to her cousin that she hates. And she... um. In the meantime, meets this guy uh, who she, you know, eventually falls for all this stuff, whatever, whatever, that part of the story isn't really as important as everything else, because it's just, it was like, laugh out loud, funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is rare. In books yeah, <laughs> for me yeah. to read recently, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was uh, super fun and super cute. Like I said, it was a cast full of just quirky ass characters. It's on Amazon. It is two ninety nine currently, and it's only three dollars. So give it a check out.
1: It ain't easy being jazzy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right on. So <laughs> I um want you guys, if you know or hear or you know, whatever, have a a new book that's going to be released and you self-publish and the book is available for our listeners to buy somewhere, (laughs) Um, let us know. Send us an email or tweet us or message us or any of the myriad of ways we've left up top of the show to contact us. We'd love to highlight some uh, more authors who are just out here trying to, you know, get their hustle on, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Write these books, get this paper. So we want to see how we can help you do that. Um, yeah, and especially if you are a black girl author, you get priority, and we don't care who's mad about it. Hey, <laughs> Somebody got to give us priority. Gosh darn it! Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, that I is. Want to tell the world if you have not gone to see Straight Out of Compton. Go see it, and here's why I'm bringing this up, because this movie has been number one three weekends in a row, and it's always that little caveat behind it. In a slow box office, blah, 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 mission or um, is number one again, and it's kind of that caveat, you know, that this movie is successful because, you know, there's nothing else happening when that's not entirely true, um, and so I always encourage... Y'all, to support them, go see um, what are they calling him now? Obey? Yeah. Obey Jackson Obey Jr. Jackson Jr. <laughs> uh-huh. With his fine self and his fine daddy. <laughs> go on and support the fines. Fine cubes. Cube. Fine, fine squared. That's what you call
0: them now. Fine cube.
1: <laughs> fine cube. cube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fine cube. Fine cube and little fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway go support them um they do an awesome job uh jason mitchell is better get him an oscar nomination because he tore it up i know you haven't seen it but <laughs> so just you know give what? it a there go
0: so much shade and how you know i haven't seen it i mean i haven't but how did you know
1: <laughs> because
0: sometimes i go to the movies
1: i am a, a uh observant <laughs> and I, <Okay>. right. <laughs> um no really go check that out um check out these two books support um black people creating doing things having businesses do all of that um i'm really in a season where i can see for myself the importance of doing that so everybody um check those things out we are done for the day hey hey okay i am just gonna let you keep going <laughs> We'll see y'all next week. (laughs)
0: Bye.